There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Craig, uh, how many times have you listened to the new Slipknot single in the past 24 hours? 14, Dave. How about you? I think I'm in the 30s at this stage. <laughs> I'm in my 30s. I'm not a 30 listener. <laughs> you into it? Um, I haven't heard it yet, Dave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. <laughs> fine, fine. That's upsetting. Let's just start the show then. Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 335. How have we done that many episodes? Okay, 335. <laughs> at this stop. point, they're all just numbers. Yeah, let's every stop. show is We just should probably stop number. numbering them. I think it, like, it looks weird or something at this stage. But yeah, 335 and lots more, of course. Um, and you can get lots more. No, I'm not going to go straight to the Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash no encore. Patreon.com forward slash no encore. If you want to help support the show, bonus episodes, playlists, episode previews. And of course, this week, if you are on Patreon, you would have seen what we are doing on this show this week, Craig. It's top five ambient chillax and on the patreon post this week i included a photograph of a certain man being accosted by a journalist um before we get to that clip because of course we should play that one um how you feeling man i'm good it only took me one bus to get here today so it's called progress i believe we're in studio again we after are last week's yeah, triumph uh, he's cracked the code. He got one <laughs> bus. Yeah, I've cracked the code of the bus not being out of service when it passes me by. Nice. Um, 15B, the old reliable. I should week. say, we're setting a dangerous precedent here, though, because Adam's going on three weeks holidays very soon, which means we won't be able to do this yeah. for at least another month. After Is this the last one, or can we do one more before? One more. We can do one, one more in studio. Road. Hopefully next week, depending on our circumstances. But... Uh, yeah, that's going to be emotional. But also emotional is top five ambient chillax. So we didn't coin that term. 
Shall we get to the person who did? Yeah, I think we should because it's kind of not even what the songs are. No. <laughs> it's an in-joke. This is one of our most misleading episode titles ever. Uh, well, not fully misleading. There, there will be ambience and there will, there will be, be chillax. chillax. Yeah, I'm mainly chillaxing rather than Hello, being Hello, my ambience, name is Dave Hanrady and there will be chillax. Um, so, many years ago, I think it was 2013, 2014, there or thereabouts. Yeah, must have been. James Blake uh, won the Mercury Music Prize, the coveted Mercury Music Prize, for his album Overgrown. And, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while now, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, but maybe you haven't, or maybe you just want to hear it again. It is still very funny. So picture the scene. James Blake, um, you've interviewed him. Slightly socially awkward, is that fair to say? Um, I would say he's a serious enough chap, probably doesn't love the spotlight, would have been uncomfortable in that setting. Obviously, when you're Who chatting wouldn't? to me, you know, you're very <laughs> at ease and stuff, but it's a whole different ballgame, Dave. Yeah, when, when a Newsnight reporter who's clearly not their arts guy, or if he is, he's one of these, like, theatre critics type people who clearly yeah, regards yeah. the Mercury as like a place to go and quaff wine and just be pretentious. Um, and fair enough, I'd probably, do, kind of is. I'd probably do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Please send us to the Mercury Music Prize next year. Ivor um, Bellows. So, oh, the Arbor that's the one you want to go to, yeah. I mean, Rock and like, Roll Hall of Fame. To be honest. <laughs> the induction ceremony. Imagine we a little jaunt over to Cleveland. We should try and get to the Arbor Like That feels doable. Yeah. I we guarantee if we emailed off. them and we're like, hello, we're a modest podcast from Ireland. We constantly love, bangs on about the Arbor Novellas. Can you please accommodate us with a glass of champagne? Anyway, James Blake, uh, victorious and humble backstage. Like It's like a post-match interview, this. Like, he's just won the FA Cup or something. Yeah. Um, and he's standing there against the backdrop of the sponsors and stuff and this man is uh, speaking to him and it's an incredible clip it's outstanding and I've taken the first minute or so of it and uh, enjoy James congratulations uh, now you've seen off David Bowie and the Arctic Monkeys how does that feel seen off it's not the words I'd use uh, what words would you use bested been been pleased to share the stage with well actually not Dave Bowie I suppose although he was on the stage in, in a screen in a video he was there in spirit now sadly not all of our Newsnight viewers will have downloaded uh, Overgrown yet what can they expect um, well uh, don't let this uh, you know Orble. <laughs> don't let this bauble sway you just just uh, I hope that it takes you to a place that is uh, positive for you. I don't know. But what's your record like? I mean, is it a howl of pain about England and the planet today, or is it more ambient chillax? Give us a flavour. Oh, chillax. That's progressive for Newsnight. Oh, so good. It's incredible. I mean, why is it so pointed and aggressive? It's like he's jabbing him in the chest. <laughs> so snide. What's your music like, then? Um, I remember I put that clip up on... Twitter before and Graham Linehan pre going full Graham Linehan when he was the darling of Twitter when he was one of the darlings of Twitter um, remember that Halcyon days <laughs> Twitter used to be a more innocent place huh yeah. um, he retweeted it apparently and was like this is oh this is so cringeworthy and everyone was like oh my god Graham Linehan retweeted you bro and I was like yeah man the guy wrote Father Ted that's class <laughs> and still I'm class like, in <laughs> Oh, no, it wouldn't be today. Father Ted isn't still class. Sorry, Father Ted it? is still class. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he meant, like, you know, the G-Man. If, if, oh, right, if he got his account back <laughs> the and G-man. started retweeting everything he, he likes posted. To be called. Is he still off, is he? I'd imagine well, so. I don't think I ever followed him. Just in case. 
Good. I'm glad he's been banned. Fuck that guy. Uh, and fuck Russell Brown. Hilariously, on um, he'd been banned from pretty much everywhere. Russell Brown isn't a turf. He's just an idiot. He he ended up posting quite a bit on Mumsnet. I think. Oh yeah. His his little crew. He might be on there. Not to derail the show immediately, but like there was that thing recently where like Graham Lennon had that interview that was doing the rounds where I think he was being interviewed by Stephen Nolan of all people, and he was like, "What happened, Graham?" And then like Graham Lennon had this like teary like down the lens Zoom Skype grief sort little grief hole thing they took my family from me that's what it was family left because you have lost your mind he said something to the effect of he goes but that just that just makes me it just confirms you know that I'm I'm right I'm and you're like yeah your brain's broken like I'm sorry but like you know you're like like it's just it's too you're too far gone anyway very sad actually much it is sad Uh, much more wholesome though is that interview with James Blake Um, and it's amazing because like the way that interview goes on then from there um, at one stage he's like give me some background or whatever and James Blake is just like you know very aloof just being like well you know um, I did it all myself you know in my bedroom and I was, it was blah 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 you know that's not him boasting or nothing but then the actual like on top of everything else the YouTube clip is called I did it all myself James Blake <laughs> like he's some fucking prima donna it's amazing and he you can hear the moment where he just starts to chuckle and be like this guy's ridiculous like it's when he comes back with the um, so what would you call it it's like immediately combative <laughs> Of like and yeah, James Blake is just like okay. Yeah, it's it's when he goes, uh, uh, "Don't like this," and there's an awkward pause. And your man goes, "Bobble," and he's just like uh, starts laughing. Yeah, but he handles it very well, to be fair. And then he ends him to be very, very funny as well. When he's like, um, "The guy goes, will you come on the show and play one of your more accessible tracks?" And he's like, "Oh goodness, no." He's like, uh, "I'll be playing something for your chillaxing audience." Uh, <laughs> so ambient chillax. Um, I mean, what does it mean? You know, how do you define it? Um, I tried to give you a definition there, you Dave. Um, when we settled on it, we should say it wasn't just a James Blake thing. It stemmed from um, a couple of your suggestions, which was we were mid like unbearable heat wave. Yeah. Oh God. Um, so it's kind of all we could think of. We've done <laughs> like summer jams. We've done heat we've wave, done wave songs. related yeah, yeah, yeah. songs. So this is a bit different. This is kind of stuff that you would listen to during a heat wave too. I said I something like, what about... Just to what, kind of relax to... I think I said like, what about chill out songs? As in like, you chill know, out cause songs. We, cause we, yeah, because yeah, it was like Monday slash Tuesday and it was so fucking hot. And I was like, all I can think right now is like, I, w- I want someone to just pour ice over me in music form. So you were like, what about chillax? And then of course, there was also one outlier. <laughs> <laughs> there was one outlier. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite like that. There was one outlier though. You suggested songs about flying, which you didn't do. And the reason that you suggested oh, yeah. it was, get ready to get excited, Adam. Craig went to see Top Gun Maverick and I said to you, I didn't want to know what you thought of it. Yes, until we start here, yeah, and you're not on letterbox or anything, so it's time now. Adam is turning I nearly around. Knocked a keyboard on top of myself from mm-hmm. the excitement. <clears throat> it is a wonderful film. Yes, it is. Can I say one thing as well? <laughs> yeah, Zara Hedeman and David Tapley went to see it uh, just last night, I believe. And Zara Hedeman said to me, "I cried six times. <laughs> I cried." Maybe twice. Did you? Well, not like full tears. It was like the manly stoke kind of, you know, just watery eyed. Oh no, I was in bits and fairness. <laughs> it's for what? Like, it's kind of a perfect film. Mm-hmm. Like, they nailed it. Yes. Like, if you're going to do that sequel, that's exactly how you do it. Yeah. And like, you kind of know what's happening. And there's a lot of like, we have to hit the same beats. But the, it's so well done that you just completely give in to it. It's, it's like, like, it's the most movie that ever movied. Like, yeah. it knows precisely what it is. And again, I'm confident that, you know, even if you've never seen the first one, you could give someone a blank piece of paper and be like, oh, what yeah, do you totally. think will happen in this film? And I think you get 97% of it correct. And you'll still enjoy every second of it. The plot, like the emotional plot, that narrative, that totally makes sense. And that Talk to me, me, Goose. Oh my God. <laughs> 
so many of those moments. I would go see it again, and I'll have the chance because it's still making an insane amount of money. It's now passed so much money that Tom Cruise is going to get a hundred million from his like oh, overall God. whatever. It's his uh, biggest ever film. It is, it? yeah. And he's just turned so sixty. He deserves it, man. They're like, going to make another one. But you know what? You just feel watching it like he's. I know he wants to make humongous films, but he's doing it for the right reasons. Like he really yeah. cares. There's no. There's not a moment in it where it's like that'll do. Do you know what I mean? It's just the script is so tight. Like all the character motives make sense, and everything they this do film actually makes Miles Teller likable. That's how strong he's it great is. Great in it. Um, the only the only <laughs> scene that I was like Val Kilmer. Oh no, that's I thought we'll go, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but I will say the the great balls of fire. Oh, do you have the same problem that my brother has? Where he's like, why would all these twenty year olds yeah, know what this song? Yeah, was, <laughs> even in the eighties, yeah. that was like an ancient, ancient song. Yeah, <laughs> like all these all these TikTok kids. No, I suppose it's like obviously his dad played it or something. He knows it, but everyone's but like, oh my god, go wild for fucking Jerry Lee. My Lewis. take on it is, it's a th- it's a thing that he does, and like you know, they're all like, oh, he's gonna do fucking do it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I also yeah, love it's, um, it's just like a it's like a fucking in real life meme for these the little fucking hipsters. Slow ride, what a banger that is! By all the, the way. songs were great like the use of the who oh my yeah. god when Danger Zone came on what do you think of the Lady Gaga song that wasn't great <laughs> it's, no it's fine it's Craig's just not his finger at me. it's not memorable <laughs> in the slightest um, she's playing it on her tour right now I, I mean of course she is because pro- probably there's an audience for it but mm-hmm. take my breath away it's just so great yeah, people Which, have said it's not a great song. It is a great song. Yeah, it's a good song. They play it like four times in the Could original. Could have done though. with that. Not in this. Um, the Val Kilmer stuff was so well handled. Lovely. Um, just the right ball, like the lightness as well towards the end. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was perfect. Cruise tearing I, up. Yeah, I was. I was amazed watching that. I was like, <laughs> this is why we watch films. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to the point Saudian. Oh yeah. I don't think I'd been there before. They leave safety lights on. What? They shouldn't have done that. Yeah, no, they do. That's their policy. What the fuck? Yeah. Did you go out and complain? It was fine, yeah. And they were like, it's a it's a safety did light thing. Did you go thing. out and complain? Well, not a complaint, but like... You did go out. Well, yeah, I thought that they were still... Like, the I lights you, were still up. I told you a fire up. alarm went off when I went to see this and nobody got out of their fucking seat. Yeah, and they're expensive tickets, so I wouldn't be going back there. But yeah. no, like, apparently people are complaining about it the whole time. They do it across the board, so Weird, I don't know. When I went to see The Batman and I paid 17 euro for my ticket... Uh, we were actually late in, even though we were. I was like, there'd be like fifty-seven minutes of trailers, and like when we got in, it was like, fuck, it's on, and it was pitch black. There was yeah. nothing, so I don't know. Yeah. But um, no, you know, once Cruise gets going, you forget about all the lighting, and it's just he was fantastic in it. I believe, like for the first time with a Cruise film, maybe since the nineties, I believed in his romantic relationship. <laughs> is it because Jennifer Connelly is only ten years younger than him? Probably. Or there, thereabouts. That, yeah, that kind of worked what a as well. Woman, by the way. Oh my god, yeah, one of the all-timers for yeah, God's sake. Amazing. Um, and she's and great. They worked really well, and yeah. it felt like kind of that mischievous, like nineties romantic cruise. He, yeah, it was get just... a laugh in the cinema when he drops down and the kid sees him. So good. I mean, and you know that's going to happen. I know. But it's still so well done. Get a laugh when he knocks Miles Tower down. He's like, "What were you thinking? You told me not to think." Again, huge crowd. But when I saw it in Toronto, people were fucking cheering. See, that's the thing, yeah, cheering, the, Greg, yeah. applauding, the, and cheering. The um, North American audience will mm-hmm. always go for that. Not so much here, but um, anyway. This is a music podcast, and also for balance, in case anybody listening to this who hates Tom Cruise and hated that five minutes, uh, I watched American Made on Netflix this week, a film of his from 2017 that I've kind of been avoiding for a long time because I didn't like how it looked. And it's a bit it, of a B movie. It fucking sucks. I remember, yeah. And he's wildly miscast in it. So big Tom Cruise fan, but even he has flaws. 
Yeah, many of them in his personal life, as we all do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what a movie star! He fit. It feels like he's a great movie star. He is about like maybe is yeah. Certainly in the last couple of decades, he's just decided that I'm going to carry American cinema on my back and yeah, global cinema, and it's just like. He just embodies that fucking Someone thing. said to me recently when the trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, because that's what it's called, came out, and it was like, here's the release date, and it's like a, still a long way away. They said to me, they're like, the fact that I have to wait a year to see this film is a war crime. <laughs> I, like, I had that reaction today when it was, there was a tweet that was like, um, it's exactly one year away from Barbie. Oppenheimer and Barbie being mm-hmm. released on the same day. And I was like, it's a year till Barbie. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> I really want to see that. The trailer of course, for, still filming it. Yeah. The trailer for Oppenheimer came out today. And it's a, a trailer, the poster, sorry, the poster. Bad poster. What's the poster? It's like it's flames everywhere and Killian Murphy wearing a wide-brimmed hat and silhouette. He looks like Michael Jackson. Looks like Michael Jackson tour poster. And it's like, Nolan's done it again. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, still Dark Knight Rises just turned 10. We could talk about films all day. But instead, <laughs> podcast. we're going to talk about music. Patreon.com slash Noancore if you like our wild tangents and what we do. And what we do is talk about the news sometimes. Adam, please hit that sting. <laughs> about the good news? Yeah, speaking of Toronto, one man that was also in Toronto recently, Roger Waters, um, <laughs> performing live. Same time that the weekend we talked about it last week. Oh, yeah, he had that cancellation, yeah. yeah, because of the power outage. And uh, he's hit out at the weekend, so, so Roger Waters has. <laughs> and Drake. Um, maybe not so much hit out as like completely dismissed them. Um, he was doing an interview with the Globe and Mail and he was asking the interviewer, which is like probably been in this situation before Dave, where like you're being asked why like someone's recent shows weren't reviewed by the publication. You're like, I don't fucking know. I'm the editor. Um, and yeah, he was told that the weekend was set to open his tour in Toronto on the same night and Waters responded, I have no idea what or who the weekend is because I don't listen to much music. People have told me he's a big act. Well, good luck to him. I've got nothing against him. <laughs> Would it not have been possible to review his show one night and my show another night? He went on. I'm not trying to make a personal attack. I'm just saying it seemed odd. <laughs> this is a man with a massive ego, oh my God. And by the way, with all due respect to The weekend or Drake or any of them, any no. of them of that, no. I'm far, far, far more important <laughs> than any of them will ever be. Wow. However many billions of streams they've got. There's stuff going on here that is fundamentally important to all of our lives. Um, I guess he's referring to the fact that he's very politically outspoken in fairness to him. He's come in for a lot of stick in terms of supporting Palestine and his shows have, since he left Pink Floyd and even during the latter days of Pink Floyd, just been hugely politically charged and grim as all hell, I guess. Um, It's not a show I think I'd love to see at this point, despite liking a lot of Floyd Is he still doing The Wall, is he? It's kind of, yeah. I think everything he's done since the 80s has been an adaptation of The Wall. Yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. all in that kind of millhouse of like... Down type thing during yeah, the show. fight the power and... Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean... It maybe, seems unnecessary, this, doesn't it? And like, to be fair, you can tell he's a man of a certain age when it's like he's desperately upset that he wasn't, you know, reviewed in print media. <laughs> By the Globe and Mail. <laughs> Where's my sidebar column that gives me three out of five? yeah. Uh, like the fact he's like, I've no idea what or who the weekend is, and then he's a imme- but he's immediately sure that he's far more important. He knows who Drake is, apparently. Yeah, 
I mean, he's not a million miles away from the truth in terms of they're not political artists, but then but that's they don't have fine. To, why does yeah, everyone I have mean, to be like, political artists? And if he, like he's he's on stage, kind of saying, I just had a look at some actual review. He did get reviewed in Pittsburgh, I think, on this tour, um, which he probably was the Post Gazette or something like that. <laughs> and they were talking about like he will have a, a moment where he speaks quite solemnly and there's like flashing pictures behind him of like Joe Biden and it says like war criminal <laughs> like Obama war criminal I'm like wow cutting edge it's like is that making an impact for like an old bunch of Floyd heads at this stage Floyd heads <laughs> I love the, the Floyd I've just said the Floyd but you know um, I think the rest of the Floyd got sake of him about yeah. 30 years ago as well. What won't you say, Roger? I mean, like, I don't, like, uh, my friend referenced Roger Waters always goes back to a bizarre hot press interview that, that I didn't conduct, and it wasn't even conducted for hot press. I may have told the story before, but I will tell it again. So Dave Fanning interviewed him oh, for this story. 2FM or whatever, yeah, I presume, yeah, yeah. and Hot Press bought it in for print. Yeah. So it had aired on 2FM and obviously it was probably an exclusive there and then Hot Press get the, you know, the, the fucking... The warm, full the recording. Yeah. The warmed up, whatever. Yeah, so now, you know, Hop, I, I've done, you've done many a job in Hot Press, you know, Bob mm-hmm. a job, and fucking um, one of my jobs there was to transcribe other people's work sometimes. Now, in fairness to Dave Fanning, he doesn't work for the magazine. They're yeah. sending you the audio. Someone had to do That's it. That's fine. Someone had to do it. And it was me. Um, and like, in fairness, like, you know, <laughs> while there'll be days when I'm like, can I write my own stuff? I did learn a lot from the transcription game. Um, so that's an interesting one to get in. Very well, Dave interesting. Dave chatting to Roger Waters. Well, yeah, that's the thing, a, right? You know. So it was outstanding because, like, uh, the interview was probably about like twenty minutes long, maybe half an hour. Actually, probably like a fucking forty-five minutes. But like, I like Dave Fanning. I think Dave Fanning's cool. I think we all like Dave Fanning. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> He's like me when it comes to uh, will take six minutes to ask a question type thing, you know. I mean, like yeah. talks a lot, you know, whatever. So uh, the interview was a lot of that, a lot of Dave Fanning asking sixteen questions in one, and I'll never forget this. The fucking first question was like, "Roger, um, is it wrong, naive, or just plain stupid <laughs> to describe the wall as autobiographical?" And Roger Waters goes, "Yes." <laughs> so good but then as it goes on and again like fucking Dave Fannin is just freewheeling and scatting all over the place and it's just like <laughs> not like that like Scatman John but like um, uh, anyway he's just like he's riffing um, and it's good it's a good interview it's a good conversation but like but it doesn't quite work as a Q&A in print because that's the whole point it's like a podcast like that's what this is you know you, I'm doing it now well first of all it would have looked insane on the page with the length of Dave Fanning's it yeah, did. stuff because yeah because you, you put the interview questions in bold and the answers in, in standard so I remember like <laughs> getting this done finally and sending it over and being like listen uh, talking to Maureen like in Hot Press and being like um, you know I don't know who's subbing this but like I don't know what you're going to do with it because it's fucking massive for a start like because yeah. they were talking about, you know, it'll be like a two-pager or a three-pager. And I'm like, this would be like a 16-pager minimum. So Ed Power yeah. was the one who was tasked with subbing it. And I'll never forget passing it over to him and him sitting there and opening the file and full-on throwing his hands up <laughs> to heaven and literally going, what the fuck am I going to do with this? And I was <laughs> like, see ya. <laughs> And I think they ran like a two pager. He's like, cut the fuck out of two it. Two pager? I can't remember, but it certainly wasn't like the hot press interview. Oh my god! It should have been. Oh my god! That would have been <laughs> such a big job. Mental. 
mental. It just doesn't. Yeah. And again, it's just hilarious. Cause you just see like this, this mountain of text followed by like two lines. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my Roger Waters story, which isn't really much of a story, but I enjoyed it. Love it. Okay, let's move on. Sticking with crotchety old men, not Ed Power. <laughs> Dave Fanning. <laughs> not Dave Fanning. Not Roger Waters. David Crosby. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's been... I saw a, this. He's been a bit cruel That's on Twitter. <laughs> so good. I love him. Phoebe Bridger's favourite musician. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I also love that this is a story. This is another one of like we talked last week about the reaction to some of the Strokes live shows and creating new stories out of oh, like a handful no of tweets. Who, yeah, the context of yeah. who you are. So this yeah, is yeah. very much one of those. So <laughs> David Crosby has been called an unkind schmuck <laughs> for criticizing a fan's caricature depiction of him. Um, founding member of the Birds and Crosby, Stills and Nash was blunt in his response to fan DJB Sackett, great name, who had shared his work with Crosby as a thank you for the music. <laughs> Crosby then, let's just, I'll, I'll, I'll get the original tweet. So it was, yeah, hi, at the David Crosby. I mean, so hold on, if you're not being a fan, you know what he's like. Yeah, you're going course, into yeah, a yeah. direct combat with him. Hope you're keeping well. Did a picture of you. Thanks for the music. Uh, and Crosby then responded, he quote tweeted it, um, saying, this is the weirdest painting of me I have ever seen. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. <laughs> Just trails off with an ellipsis. And then he's received significant backlash from people supporting Sackett and his art. One social media user wrote, this is the weirdest reaction to a fan trying to do something nice I have ever seen. Don't quit your day job, David Cross. Excellent. <laughs> but all that. Maybe stop being an unkind schmuck on Twitter. Um, one of them, which I don't think is in this article, was um, Linda Carter, <laughs> Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, she she like came at him and was just like, "There's enough going on in the world, David. You don't need to be doing this." Blah blah blah. Oh, and everyone on. was like, "Yeah, go Wonder Woman." She really is Wonder Woman. <laughs> Have you seen you've seen the picture? The, the I caricature. I glimpsed it. I can't remember. Can you describe it for the listener? It's David Crosby. It's spot on. It's a <laughs> it's a side profile, and it's like you think caricature. You think like really exaggerated, unkind, unflattering features and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, it's actually quite nice. And it's got him and his trademark um, red cap. It's got the mustache. <laughs> it's MAGA it's got the, yeah, Well, yeah, it's not a MAGA hat. We should point out. Um, he's kind of glowering. Have you seen it, Adam? He has not. Uh, right, there it is. I mean, that doesn't look unkind yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it looks, yeah. It's, it's quite fair. good, actually. It's, it's I've, seen, good I've seen much, there are, there are, I've seen much more questionable, dubious art hailed as great. But like, again, it's it, it's the man himself. Sorry, just on the red hat thing, by the way, I was watching the video in the gym on a, a, a on the treadmill oh, there yesterday. You know what can I say? <laughs> yeah, I was just, uh, you know, just uh, fucking Gainesville, Rock City over here. I was, uh, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I was watching I was watching uh, videos on my on my phone in a bit to break up the monotony of, of, of the treadmill routine Yeah, and I threw on uh, Honestly by Zwan which I love I love that song yeah, that Billy Corgan side project band uh, where he was happy um, but it's hilarious because in the band it's like it's it's Billy Corgan Paslin Chanton uh, Jimmy Chamberlain James Eha and it's David Paggio I believe of Slint fame yes. and there's it's a really awkward video because it's like you know it's like the band hanging out and having fun and it's just like this is really really awkward and Billy Corgan like singing with big smiles on his face to Paz and Chanton and in fairness you know I think I've said this before but like if I got to hang out with 2003 Paz and Chanton I'm sure I'd be very happy as well but there's a moment where 
they're just sitting at a table and David Pajot is wearing a red baseball cap but but my brain we've been so like Trump pills like, oh my god can I have to I cancel like, I, was like, I was like is that a MAGA hat I was like in 2005 or whatever it was no it isn't it's just a red baseball cap but I don't know the fact that yeah now you'd have to turn it backwards so you more resemble Fred Durst who is by far the better option who saw I mean, that coming I backed the, the right horse man yeah. back in my new metal days um, yeah Crosby look this is what he does it's I mean, just he that. knows himself. He said before that, like, he doesn't speak to pretty much any of his former bandmates in any of the bands. And he, he was like, the interview was like, why? It's just like, but they all hate me. I'm like a really awful person. He's just a curmudgeon. Yeah. Um, you know, it tells it like he sees it. Yeah, you mentioned the Phoebe Bridgers thing. That was quite, I was kind of on board with him on that one. He yeah. was just asked about the guitar smashing on SNL. And he thought it was shite, which it was. Yeah, he, but he wasn't actually kind of specifically talking about her doing it. Do you know what I mean? I think everyone's like, oh, you know, a woman can smash a guitar if she wants. But he was just like, I don't like guitar smashing. It's cheesy. <laughs> what, he, what he wrote was pathetic. <laughs> but then he went on, guitars are for playing, making music. I don't give a flying F if others have done it before. It's still stupid. And then Phoebe Bridgers called him a little bitch. Wow. Um, yeah, and everyone's like, you're the queen. Uh, I like Phoebe Bridgers, but I found the guitar smashing thing to be a little bit forced. But what are you going to do? It's Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it's Saturday it's night. It's Saturday night. Sorry, just in the thing of, you know, guitars are for playing. That reminded me there of, like, years ago, really, really, like, embarrassing feud between Taking Back Sunday and Brand New in, like, the early mid-2000s. Wow, where I can't believe I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was all, like, I was busy with the killers and the bravery. Yeah, yeah, we, we had our different corners of the world that we were keeping an eye on. But, like, uh, fucking, what's his name? Adam Lazara is the singer from Taking Back Sunday, and he would, like, he swings the microphone around. That, like, that was, like, his gimmick and stuff nice and brand new because like, there was a fallout about like a lyric that they bo- both written or something it was really petty perfect for the emo genre but brand new put out a t-shirt that said microphones are for singing not swigging <laughs> and I'm like you've lost this one lads I'm sorry <laughs> That is terrible. Lame as hell. Terrible. The oh. sanctity of the microphone is an instrument for the voice. I used to love listening to Brand New. Can't do that anymore. Anyway, what do you got? Um, speaking of long ago feuds, um, some happy news this week. Yeah, as, no <laughs> as two frontmen patch things up. Disturbed frontman. <laughs> Just, we're talking about disturbed. disturbed. David Draymond has publicly apologised to, I wonder will the listener guess who it could be. <laughs> The darkness is Justin, Justin Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, after an incident at the band show nearly 20 years prior. Uh, so Justin Hawkins has a YouTube channel, Justin Hawkins Rides Again. Yes. And he, he up, featured Pillow Queens on it recently, actually. He seems like a really interesting, cool actually, dude. He like seems he's, like he's calmed down and just like, face. You know. But wasn't he always kind of like, Maybe. not taking it too seriously? I don't know. I think that was kind of the problem here anyway. Okay. The video he put up was um, titled I Pissed Them Off Big Time. He was just talking about, basically a fan asked him what his worst experience was as a support act. And he recalled a 2002 show at the Brixton Academy when they were opening for Disturbed. So this was prior to them really taking off with, um, what was the Permission to Land? Was that the debut? It was absolutely huge. And then the second one did pretty much zero business. Killed a career, yeah. 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 Well, Um, I mean, they have a career, but like, you know. Yeah, yeah, as a mainstream. I think it was just more of the same and people were like, what are we doing? We don't like hair metal anymore. Same thing. I hated them and then I saw them support Metallica and I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'd say. And then I hated them again. (laughs) Well, apparently the Disturbed audience had a different experience. Um, What an audience. Yeah. Considerable difference in styles, as the story says here. Uh, The Darkness were not treated well by Disturbed's fans. 
They were throwing stuff like shoes, bottles, and coins. Jesus, don't do that. Like, yeah. Um, somebody threw a piece of chewing gum. That's kind of odd. Which had presumably been in their mouth. Alex Ferguson, was it? Landed. <laughs> <laughs> having a rare night Ferguson off. would have kicked the shoe as well. It's like the, the <laughs> yeah, Beckham thing. <laughs> Maybe Ferguson's in the ground. <laughs> in the Barrowlands in Scotland, yeah. New metal guy. <laughs> But hold on, right? Someone threw a piece of chewing gum which had presumably been in their mouth and it landed directly in my mouth as I was singing. Oh, oh man. Oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, after the set, Hawkins recalled that Draymond wasn't very pleased with him. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, which he believes was down to him giving an admonishment to the throng, uh, which is nicely phrased. If a, bra- if a band is supporting my band and then our crowd is not very nice to them, I would always go and apologise, he said. That didn't happen with Disturbed. I think it actually had the opposite effect and they were angry with us um, so this kind of there was bickering back and forth after this Draymond then said like the darkness were not metal and a joke <laughs> you know, why are they on the tour disturbed we're getting on with very serious business this as is the thing I, not to like jump ahead here but like David Draymond had a reputation of being a complete prima donna who takes himself way too fucking seriously so I'm not surprised whatsoever well, when you can recontextualize a masterpiece like The Sound of Silence, <laughs> and make it a modern hymn. How, how long it would take you to get there, but you got there. Um, <laughs> modern hymn. <laughs> I, think I, I think I got a modern hymn from um, Bono. He was talking about one of the albums, I think it was No Line on the Horizon. And he was asked about, like, so what's the new stuff like? And he's like, we've been trying to write modern hymns. <laughs> Which is basically songs that will last for eternity. Yeah, it's a sequel to the Verve's Urban Hymns. You may, you may yeah, be familiar. Yeah. But anyway, so... Uh, yeah, Draymond yeah. was talking at the time to Metal Edge. He said, the world wants rock bands... Or, yeah, the world wants rock bands to be idiots. The world wants rock bands to be these bumbling buffoons, these morons who make fun of themselves and their music and their art and don't take themselves seriously in any way. I always kind of had a soft spot for the darkness because like, they kind of had tunes. They clearly loved metal behind it all. And I thought I thought they were more faithful to that genre than a lot of the kind of more serious new metal stuff. Um, but anyway, Draymond, in fairness to him, fast forward to now, I uh, took to Twitter last Friday to personally apologise to Hawkins. I'm sorry you feel that way, which I, uh, it sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, no, no, he didn't mean it like that, I don't think, because he goes on to say, there's a lot of things I regret saying in the past, and this is one of them. It's been 20 years, I think we're both old enough to have a point at some point and laugh about it. Hawkins then responded <laughs> saying it was so cool that he'd reached out to clear the air between them. I don't drink anymore, but I'll take a non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> so I want photos of the two of them somewhere near the Brixton Academy, just passing things up. That'd be nice. I wonder, nice does David Draymond still have those piercings? I wonder the... Uh... I guess so. Sorry, right. but when you mentioned them, um, you know, like... Um, the disturbed essentially like picking their audience over the sport band and like you know why are they here uh, it reminded me of there was a time when uh, and long before the obviously horrible incident that would happen with Eagles Death Metal but like many years ago uh, Eagles Death Metal were supporting Guns N' Roses on some American tour yeah and I guess the crowd were not having it and apparently uh, after like they played like opened up for Guns N' Roses Axl Rose came out for the Guns N' Roses set and apparently said to the crowd uh, sorry about the uh, pigeons of shit metal back there. I remember that coach, yeah. Go, Won't be seeing them again. <laughs> Kick them off the tour. <laughs> pigeons of shit metal. Didn't Blur have an incident with someone on tour where like, or someone had an incident like, on a Blur tour where someone like ripped out like wires. Someone was like fired off a tour and like they like pulled out wires during the show backstage. It either happened to Blur or Blur did it. I forget who it was with. Was it like their first US tour? I remember that being a I feel like it's a US thing. I yeah. can't remember who it was. I think it might have been a Blur. I, I can, but like, there was definitely like a, a thing where 
someone was like, we don't fucking want you guys around. Uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll find that out next week. Yeah, there might be some listeners shouting at their at their at their phones right now. If so, Ash. Handrowdy Dave on Twitter, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, a couple more kind of nice stories that we can probably, like, they're not... I mean, I know we've been doing really hard-hitting reportage. <laughs> oh, this has been a fun one, though. It's been, minutes, dude, it's fucking heatwave. Like, I mean, like, the heatwave's almost over, or oh, it is over for now, but, like, it's been a fucking sapping week. It has. It's like, been draining. It is David draining, if you will. Um, <laughs> oh, no. oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got? What have you got? Elton John. I've got Elton John, okay. Dave. He's been, chatting, right here, he? he's been chatting about the music he likes. And um, mm. we've talked before about Elton John being this, yeah, yeah. A, a, quite a passionate music fan. He's a bit of a, a music nerd. He's, he's us, essentially. Which is good. Sorry, I should say I keep saying saw this because Craig did the news this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> like, I am aware of what's in the show, but I forgot what's in the running order. So he was talking to Metal Edge. No, Music Week. And Metal Edge. <laughs> he said essentially that uh, women are making the best music in the current climate. <laughs> Story says coping. It's so great to see Nova Twins, Wet Leg, Let's Eat Grandma. Yes. Let's, yes. The Linda Lindas. No. Heim. Yes, mm, yeah, yeah, that last, last album was brilliant. And all these girls rocking out and making the best music. Apart from Sam Fender, <laughs> none of the boys are doing it. Come the on. girls are. It's like there's about 20 people in the world making music, the way he's talking about it, like, and he's cajoling his students or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a breath of fresh air because it comes from innocence and pure joy, and that, for me, is what music is about. Um, he went on to name-check Harry Styles. Um, well, I was about to say, yeah. it seemed like, for a second there, it seemed like he was doing a Mick Jagger-esque you know, admonishment of the man, slightly, kind of. Yeah, he said um, there's not many good records in the top 20 and he said that acts like Sharon Van Etten and Angel Olsen should chart higher than they do. He's probably talking about um, one of our songs of the year yeah. <laughs> last year, which um, I had to fight for its place in the like top I used five, to, like yeah. I used to, which I thought was, um, was yeah, it was, it was a good night, it was a good... Uh, it was a good year. You are, you are there? <laughs> yeah, just getting all wistful. And we'll do it all again, even though we don't review albums anymore. Um, the quote went on to say, it's obviously Kate Bush at number one. <laughs> He's covering it all. It's great. But there's not many good records in the top 20. And the album's chart is, a full, is full of things like me, ABBA and Queen. The odd thing comes true, like Sam Fender or Harry Styles, or you get a new artist coming in at number three and then disappearing at 80-something. I would say to him, he should stop looking at the charts because also, they really <laughs> don't, you know. Let's see Grandma aren't a charting act really I mean no I feel like this is very much his experience of like he probably caught them but this is what he's listening to at the moment like, like these stories are always the fucking same where like someone whether it's you know Elton John who like first of all again like a much older elder statesman of the industry whatever uh, doesn't need to be finger on the pulse and is still doing an endless farewell tour I'm surprised he's time to listen to new music at all yeah. so fair play to him for you know putting out any recommendations and, and like you know we're both big fans of Let's Eat Grandma and I'm kind of surprised how that album just disappeared really really quickly Yeah, like Stereo going to put out their like big, top 50 albums of the year so far mm-hmm. top 50 and it wasn't in the top 50 oh, what stereo the fuck so the point is like fair play for shining a light on them less so wet leg but what are you going to do um, and yeah it's just like I assume someone was like who are you listening to Sam Fender though like he's he's good well, you know, is he really the the man? I don't know. And again, like the whole like you know men women debate. I mean, it's certainly like in the pop realm and in the charting realm. This has been a problem for a while. I mean, like 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 yeah, this isn't like a revelation. Like women are making better music. Yeah, and for sure. We've we said for a long time that there's no real male pop artist that is doing super interesting stuff like the no. biggest female artists. And even Harry Styles isn't quite quoting it. Like I find him interesting, right but yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, but again, that's yeah. that's like that's the highest level of whatever. Whereas you know, again. 
there's I sound like I sound I, I sound as reductive as he does now where it's like there's so much music but again like there fucking is all the time and you don't like you know like what about a band like Health you know like I mean like listen to them Elton John imagine imagine <laughs> in those coats Health had to just be in, in Black yeah. Apples that, Linda yeah. Linda's home <laughs> Health and all of these <laughs> <laughs> would be tremendous I would fucking love that okay what else you got what else you got uh, well speaking of Harry Styles speaking Texas health. loves Harry uh Texan Academia. Texas State University has just announced it will offer, uh, you get these stories quite, a, you know, from time to time, a course on the work of Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like, these are always overblown where it's like, oh, you're going to get a degree in Harry Styles, are you? And it's just like some arts, like, um, module, module for yeah, a couple yeah, of months. Yeah. And it's actually speaking about kind of different stuff and using mm-hmm. him. This one to sounds get the kids to be all encompassing, doesn't it? It's about the internet and stuff. Yeah, it's called um, Harry Styles and the Cult of Celebrity Identity, the Internet and European Pop. Culture. I'm sorry, this sounds like a thesis that somebody would be holding up in a graduation photograph on Instagram. I did it. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, course leader, yeah, sharing the news on Twitter, course leader, Dr. Louis Dean Valencia, which is a terrific name. Sounds like a hitman. That it's official, official, I'm teaching the world's first ever university course on the work of Harry Styles. Um, this course focuses on British musician Harry Styles, so apparently does have a bit of a focus on, on popular European culture to understand the cultural and political development of the modern celebrity as related to questions of gender, sexuality, race, class, nation and globalism, media, fashion, Just fan culture, now, internet culture and consumerism. My God, yeah. Dr. Louis. Um, Maybe that is a narrow it down. That Quite a lot of stuff. Do you know what we could be? We could be on the as part of the like reading material, we right? Because we've talked to yeah. you some of our news items. We Should could be, be a little reference in there. Maybe we need to get yeah, like send an email or two. <laughs> a lot of emails to send this weekend. What is it? <laughs> um, yeah, Valencia explained in an interview with. KXAN. Okay, that's a radio station, obviously, call signals. Historians have always used artists, musicians to understand the moment in history. And uh, yeah, it's very similar to a new course that uh, NYU launched on Taylor Swift earlier this year um, about Swift's evolution as a creative music entrepreneur. Yeah, so I if don't know. I, do, I didn't even look at could, Twitter, but like, if you could study, you know, a module on, or, or like a, a course on one artist, who would it be? Steely Dan, right? <laughs> <laughs> but again, would it be a course that is using them as a kind of framework for... Wider discussion. Wider discussion. I because guess so, then, yeah. I mean, you know, a Marvin Gaye might be interesting. Or After your uh, refusal to acknowledge <laughs> what's going on as one of the best albums of all time. Oh yeah, it's vastly overrated, but its impact <laughs> has, has been very important. I don't know. Um if it was like, are you are you going from an interest level or one that I would just immediately fucking get top marks in and like not have to put any effort in? Uh, the first one, like, give me a fucking give, strokes thing I talking about me, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could probably do a strokes thing that focused on like the gentrification of, of New, New York. York City. And the, yeah, 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 there you yeah, go. Yeah. And also, 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 uh, the strokes, gentrification, and post nine eleven on we. Oh my god! Oh man, this thing is right. Doctor David, teaching. I'm gonna quit the job, quit the podcast, and uh, get myself to New York University. Uh, and anything else before we get stopped? Yeah, Dave, I feel like I could write a thesis on this. Ray J having what to a defend link. a tattoo he got of his own sister. Yeah. Um, I completely forgotten that his own sister is R and B legend Brandy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Ray J is um, of uh, of you used to yeah. go out with Kim, Kim Kardashian, Kardashian fame and um, was May, in those videos. May, 
well have yeah. Yeah, done some home movies, yeah, yeah. And has a bunch of like really syrupy, rubbishy R&B stuff. Like he's <laughs> had a minor career, but um, sampled by Burial in Archangel yeah. to amazing right. effect. Archangel unrecognizable. Yeah, such a great song. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting one. The new tattoo was inked on the singer, actor and reality star. Okay, he's a reality star as well. Um, earlier this month by tattoo artist um, Mashkow. The tattoo is of Brandy's face, but heavily incorporates uh, Mashkow's signature style. So she's glowing pink eyes and graffiti-like tattoos. It says, best friends forever, before, and from Ray with love. He shared a video of the process on his IG account. Where on his body? Uh, it's like a whole leg thing that he's planning. So he started with his sister's face and he's going to add people that are important in his life, I guess. Okay. It's quite big. He said he had to start with his best friend. Uh, it struck me as... Uh, I mean, is we've it, got sisters. Is so it, I, well, I'm, it I haven't spoken to my sister since my father's funeral, so... Um, well, uh, maybe it's time for a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Imagine, yeah. you rocked up and draw that. <laughs> Listen, it's time, to, it's time to, to bury this hatchet, and I've, <laughs> I've made a gesture. <laughs> Uh, I'm running out of room. I haven't got tattoos in, in a long time, and I'm desperate to get some new ones. But um, yeah, you don't have any. I don't know. I'm, I want to get one. I don't. Like, like, I don't believe you. This is like the time that you said you shave your head. It's never going to happen. Oh, we were talking about that last week, weren't you? Never going to happen. Oh, trying to convince Mark as well to shave it. Yeah. I said I would do it at some point, but I want to get. I feel like I want to get a tattoo this year. Like this year. Like I want to get a tattoo. Six, like, soon. Than, yeah, six months to go. Okay, or whatever it is. Um. Of what? Where? I don't know. I've got I've got stuff percolating. Maybe I'll come up with a short list and we'll work through if it on the podcast. If you're getting a tattoo, I want to fucking be there. Okay, yeah. We'll do a whole thing. We'll, we'll, we'll record. <laughs> podcast episode do an yeah, episode yeah. while I'm getting it done. Could yeah. do. Interview the tattooist, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, right, okay. I, I, ho- I hope you're not having me on here. No, 100%. I, I, I was thinking... Would it be music related? Uh, no. Potentially. Okay. Um... Yeah. Would it be family related? Would it be like... No, no. Like I don't think it'd be anything sappy. I'd so want you wouldn't get it ba- I, want, I want to enhance my badass credentials <laughs> <laughs> even more. <laughs> to get knuckle tattoos that say like, stay down or something, is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, what was Brandy's reaction to this? Um, she was a little unsure. <laughs> <laughs> Never a good sign. <laughs> so when Ray J was interviewed about it, um, he, yeah... He was asked about how his sister felt about it, and he said she was a little uneasy about it. And then he went on to say she didn't like it. <laughs> Brandy has I feel really bad for him. Shared her feelings about the tattoo. Also with TMZ, all of this come Perfect, from TMZ. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Um, affirming that the piece turned out how it was quote meant to be. <laughs> yes, the tattoo turned out how it was meant to be. And comparing Mashkow's work with Basquiat, um, I didn't understand it at first. She said, "I have to be honest." Then he explained it to me and showed me the tattoo artist's whole page and it was amazing. I understand it. I'm just glad he got a tattoo of me. So that's all right. All right. Then she was asked if she would return the favour and she said she was open to the idea but it would likely be a little more low-key. Yeah, maybe his name, something simple. Maybe in the back of my ear. <laughs> One of the places <laughs> people never see. So um, she's softening up and yeah, I guess close with that nice story. That's fair. I yeah. mean, like, you know, at least there was a certain level of um, acceptance and kind of it didn't really blow up. There was a certain level of chillax, you could say, oh. to that story. Maybe there was some nice music playing softly in the background of an ambient nature. Um, you were going to give us your definition earlier on, but I think we skipped past that. So it is time oh, yeah. for top five ambient chillax. Um, Craig, 
definitions. I think you also have some mood music you want to play. Yeah, this is this is for me pure ambient chillax, and it's not really representative necessarily of where I'm going to go, but it's it's maybe a little nice backing, and then we'll get into our description. Top five ambient chillax, Dave. It's a broad church, a vibe, if you will. Slow tempos and relaxed moods to soundtrack an idle afternoon being baked alive. So we're looking across genre rather than focusing purely on ambient electronica. So you can get folky. It's just got to be chill. And uh, yeah, so very, very wide net. I don't even know if I fulfilled all of that. Certainly maybe not with the tempos. That, by the way, was Art of Noise, Moments in Love. Um... That's kind of what I immediately thought of. I always remember that song from... um, I would play it quite a lot when I was wrapping up my own college thesis first time around doing my bachelor's and like working through the night and I'd be kind of giddy from a lack of sleep and by myself uh, staring out the back garden playing this. (laughs) And at the time, it was around about 2009, there was a video going around, right, of this playing at like a rave somewhere in England in like the late 80s. And there was this long-haired raver in the video and everyone said it was David Cameron. Do you remember this? Long-haired raver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it looked exactly like David Cameron. And there was a subsequent story of like some DJ um, being like, yeah, David Cameron used to come to like loads of my sets and he'd be like just down the back in like a baseball cap, just completely <laughs> off his face, allegedly. Yeah, isn't that him? Is that See it? that, Dave? That is not him. Is that him? I think that might be him. When you okay. see the full, full Google video, this, everyone, so you know what we're looking at. It looks like a it looks like a shot of Kevin Shields that you'd see on like a fucking my buddy Valentine inlay or something. Yeah, with the saturation for sure as well. Um, yeah, I think this came out in '85, and it was one of those early kind of ambient songs. Well, he was a big jam guy for a while, of course. Remember? Yeah, he's a music guy. He's a music head. Um, apparently, he's is, quite. Is he a Floyd head? We don't know. I um, I don't know, but apparently, he is the kind of like he was the kind of. Tory Prime Minister who would use the term chillax quite a bit, like in meetings and stuff, like he's Mr. Cool Guy. Um, but anyway, oh yeah, Art of Noise, by the way, featured in their lineup Paul Morley of He Fame. Oh, wow. Amazing write up. Uh, did. But um, yeah, so that's that's our little intro. I think that's not going to be the kind of stuff we're doing it, right? So yeah. if people come to this expecting pure ambient music, I didn't go that direction. What, what, what avenue did you pursue? I, I mean, again, I think it, we're we're treating this very loosely, and <laughs> I went with like literally the first five that announced themselves into my brain, um, and for me it was like tracks that I've repetition. I think plays a big part. Oh, okay. Um, they're all fairly lengthy tracks, and like it, a lot of them take their time to kind of have any kind of you know any kind of changes and lifts and bursts. They're all incremental as hell. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily just instrumentals. There are vocals in some of mine. Uh, it's not all score work either. I feel um, like you're going to be way closer to ambience I don't think I, I will be. I think it was just more like, my gut was like, what long songs do you like that move at a relatively soft tempo, you know, bask in kind of drenched repetition and pay off in a certain way? And that you, also, what I thought about was, like, I have no kind of ASMR, you know, Blade Runner, you know, Rain at Night type stuff yeah. here, but I thought about what could I listen to um, while reading a book or to maybe focus on something else to kind of relax me, calm me down. 
uh, patience, that kind of stuff. Because generally, honestly, usually, take that. <laughs> patience would take that as my number one. Um, so, but generally, I mean, one of the reasons I love new metal so much, for example, is because it gives me a real fucking adrenaline charge, yeah. um, and that stuff is often very fast and busy, um, and you know, you kind of you couldn't really do a lot else with it apart from kind of tune into it, unless you're maybe exercising or something. But you know, essentially, this was about kind of like calming your brain down music at times yeah. but still being interesting and still being a bit busy here and there and so um, yeah I don't know uh, do you want to go first? yeah I'll go first I mean I was kind of thinking of where my head was at was very much within the heat wave so I ruled out a lot of ambient stuff that I love because a lot of it has a kind of autumnal chill to it do you know what yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah. just it didn't autumnal chillax yeah 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 whereas my like <laughs> chill out songs were kind of You'd imagine being like out of the the club, the super club in Ibiza, right? And on the beach at like 5am and you're feeling all wistful and like the sun's coming up. And uh, yeah, that kind of shimmery heat. Like the songs had to have that heat wavy shimmer yeah, to yeah, the yeah. sound. I made a I made a playlist this week uh, for work for Monday for the heat wave. Oh yeah. And it's all like sun, heat, whatever, like in the titles and stuff. On the Beach by Chris Rea is in there. And I threw it on the office and I swear to God, it wasn't until the day after when I put on the same playlist and somebody turned to me and they were like, like, is this like a themed play? I was like, how did no one fucking, like, really? Like, I've got like Sun by did, Caribou. Did Mr. Tato not twig? I presume he was hanging around the office, <laughs> right? As he often is in Joe. I think the, I think it was, he was too much for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he expired. Oh, burn to a crisp. Hey. Okay, start, start the Adam Shannon. Fantastic. Start the Line Please of the don't show. Holidays will be lost without you. Um, All right, with that in mind, yeah. let's go into my um, first selection and let me introduce it with the line. Adam Shanahan, unleash the flutes! <laughs> Yeah, that's Enigma with sadness with an E. <laughs> because it's, it's as you could hear there, Dave, it's a very sensual song. Um, I was on the, the least sexy songs when we did um, best and worst kind of sexy songs um, way back when. But I, I think this might have figured in my sexiest songs. But yeah, it's 1990 release from this group Enigma, like four lovable lads from Germany, I think, and Romania, who all had like pseudonyms and did this um, kind of, yeah, like this isn't pure ambient because it's there's obviously a, a big focus on kind of rhythm and stuff more than just texture and atmosphere. Um, but it is a chill out song. It was a massive, massive hit. It opens and features quite heavily Gregorian chanting, which mm -hmm. is, of course, very, very sexy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Latin being the language of love. He used the word sexy there, yeah. I mean, I don't, want, I don't, I don't want to dive into it here, but like, I remember hearing this as a kid and being like, I feel like this is the most erotic thing. Yeah. I shouldn't be listening to this. It's interesting that like sometimes those um, quite erotic songs become absolutely massive. Do you know what I mean? Like Serge Gainsbourg um, just really taking off with Shatem. Yeah. 
uh, bit, I don't know. I guess it's just repressed countries going, yeah, like we've got a bit of stuff in here. Um, but yeah, I love everything about this. It's got it's got Gregorian chanting that somehow works. You've got that breathy, um, those breathy French vocals from I think Sandra, who was a big pop star at the time, and was going out with the lead singer. And um, the, the group apparently took her manager... Uh, on a weekend trip to a beat the, to play the track for him. So I'm just like, wow, halcyon days in the music industry. And the manager was just like, I can't hear this on radio, guys. This is very heavy going. And then they got a call from like Virgin Records, I think that afternoon. And they're like, everyone in the office is losing their minds to this song. <laughs> yeah, like was, like, chomping a, a fucking cigar. I mean, like, it's going to be a hit. Damn yeah, it. totally. And it was a hit. And does the breakbeat kind of seem familiar to you, Dave? Because it's, it's a, it, I think it was an inspiration for a song we've definitely talked about before in a top five. It was our gaming top five. Oh, and it was Streets of Rage, which is a tremendous soundtrack. Oh, man, And the yeah. opening song in that has that, I think, exact rhythm. Um, it came out a couple of years later. So it does, I think there's a few references to that maybe being a big touchstone for it. Um, they had a couple of kind of, you know, not as big hits, but still kind of big hits in the aftermath of this and kind of had successful careers from it. But... Yeah, man. It's so chill, so great. And anything with flutes, like synthetic flutes, so I'm just all over it, man. It, it's 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 a stunning pick to start this Thank this you. list. Wow. Uh, and also, uh, you've like you've totally fucking gazumped me now because as soon as that started playing, I just realized there's a song I could have picked and didn't think of. And oh. now I almost want to call an audible, but I won't. But I I just it's oh, sweet harmony by the beloved. Oh, ho, ho. I didn't even think of that. Oh my god. That's great. Adam, is there any chance we can get like a st- like, like a blast of Sweet Harmony by the Beloved as like a bonus? Because <laughs> my God, put on the Patreon. It's very much link to the song. <laughs> it's but it, they're cut from the same sexy cloth. Yes, I would they say. are. Yeah, um, the same velvet cloth. Oh my yeah, God, exactly the same wheelhouse. So yeah, I mean, I wish I wish uh, Sweet Harmony, The Beloved, was in my top five. It's actually a really good cover of that as well by an act called Man Without Country, but that's not in my top five. Let's kick off my top five okay. today with something a lot, a lot moodier. This is this is pretty moody, and it came to mind. And it's uh, it's an act I've talked about before. They don't get talked about enough, um, but this is one of my favorite songs by them slash him. So here oh, we cool. go. That is Yezu, J-E-S-U, the project of Justin Broderick, who was in uh, Godflesh, and I believe he also worked with Napalm Death, and he's done all kinds of other stuff as well. And around about 2006, uh, someone turned me on to the Silver EP, 
by Yezu, mm. which is four tracks, uh, including the song Silver, which is legitimately in my top ten songs of all time. Uh, maybe even my top five. It's a fucking stunning work of art. I've definitely picked on a top five before. I've heard top yeah. five it was, though. Uh, this song is called Conqueror, um, and it came from the first kind of full-length album that followed that EP. Like, there's lots of Yezu works, and some sometimes it's like, here's an album with two songs on it, and they're 20 minutes long. Um, Conqueror, I believe, is the name of the record, and this is the title track. It's the opening one. And it's a magnificent, magnificent piece of work. And it's, again, it's wrapped in repetition. It's kind of doom and drone and, you know, very, very kind of hazy kind of post-rock. And I love it. It's hypnotic. It's mesmerizing. Uh, It was one of the first ones I thought of when, when this top five kind of came along. Um, I found that when I'm, when I'm in my Yezu bag, uh, it is some of the most escapist music I've ever heard. Um, And I love uh, in particular, like for whatever reason, like, there was, uh, I, I was on a lot of buses for some reason, like when I was kind of listening to Yezu and like it's really good, switch off the world music. Yeah. Uh, that kind of transported a thing. Uh, it's just an incredible, incredible song. I actually listened to it this morning. I was working the 7 a.m. shift and I like uh, had a few drinks last night, you know, on an empty stomach and I was like, oh no, hangover tomorrow. So I was mildly hungover, but I was like stumbling to work this morning as, you know, watching the, watching other people wake up and kind of come out of their houses or like there's like builders en route to where I work and just seeing them kind of get ready ready to go and people delivering stuff to the whiskey distillery as I'm going by listening to this as the sun like is the kind of the lyrics to Park Life you're singing it <laughs> yeah Phil, Phil Daniels was there oh, shouting the at me <laughs> Oi! Um, and I had this in my ears and I was like I don't want to go to work I want to just listen to Yezu yeah. because it does can't you do both I presume you did <laughs> yeah well unfortunately I listen to Morning Ireland when I get in because that's what I do when I'm on the 7am shift you know for news stuff fair, but like uh, the thing is uh, one of the things I think I want to capture with this ambient chillax was um, people are always talking about you know like slowing down your life and like you know uh, like like I, I'm I'm committing to to doing that and I, and I, I that concept I couldn't possibly imagine I find that even as I get older and more tired and whatever uh, life feels like it's on fast forward um, yeah but stuff like this in a great way I think slows everything down and stops everything for just a few perfect minutes yeah. and the best Yezu songs do this so if you've never heard Yezu before like I say J-E-S-U it is pronounced Yezu Justin Broderick is the guy behind it please check out the Silver EP check out the Conqueror record this song is called Conqueror it's incredible I love it Craig I like it it passes my um, shimmery you know heat rising mm. off hot uh, pavement test so yeah a really nice selection now, with me, we're we're going back to the beach. Um, the drugs are wearing off. <laughs> this is from an album called Unclubbed. <laughs> <laughs> Adam doesn't know it. Dave, do you know that song? It was a no. minor hit, a different version of it. Now that's Zoe Duran singing there on this unclubbed version, which is like, because I, I got part, the, the original popped into my head as like an instant kind of chill out, like going Balearic, going kind of that, I beat the you know, like late 90s lounge kind of stuff. Um, 
Like yeah, kind of Cafe like Mambo, of like all that kind of stuff. Delirium featuring Sarah McLaughlin, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the original was Reflect with a K, two guys from England. I think Seb Fontaine was one of them. It's probably at a BBC radio show and featured the vocals of Delene Bass. Um, really, really good song, but it was very fast tempo, which I'd never twigged before. And I think it would have been fine, but actually I really like this version, what they've done with it. And they've retained the core sample, which is Thomas Newman, who was recently in the top five. Mark O'Brien picked him for mm-hmm. his work on American Beauty. Yes. And despite all the Kevin Spacey stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> way to cancel yourself, very, Mark. Very, very good episode. People should check that out. <laughs> um, it was a very good episode. Yeah. Um, Mark, who also did the sexiest songs, he had some really good um, picks in that one as well. Sexy man. Yeah, he is. Um, this is Thomas Newman. Uh, the song's called Ghosts. I think the strings are from Road to Perdition. And great film. They're great. Yeah, brilliant film. Paul Newman's last, I want to say. Don't think so. It might have been. Okay. I'll look that up while you're talking. Go okay, on. look that up. Um, but yeah, that's where the sample comes from. The song was a minor hit. It came out in 2005. Um, so I became aware of it just as I started kind of going out. <laughs> like, laddish kind of, ho- not laddish, but lads your, holidays. Your infamous local nightclub. Yeah, yeah, security dance floor. Um, <laughs> security to the, the dance floor. floor. Thursday night ozone. Uh, <laughs> drinks two euros. Security to the dance floor. Security to the dance floor. Yes. <laughs> and, and then like Paul Simon's Call Me Al would kick in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was all that kind of stuff. This is far better. This actually, I, I remembered it doing a bit of research. It was it featured in not a good film, Um it's all gone Pete Tong. Do you remember that? Yeah, is Which it was uh, Riss Evans? No, no, it's Paul K. Very it? close, Paul K. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of Mr. Nice. That's yeah. one that nobody watched. Yeah, um, Riss Evans is kind of the Welsh Paul K, I guess, and maybe vice versa. Um, yeah, it's, it's what was the plot again? He's a DJ. He's like the big super producer in Ibiza and he goes deaf or something like that. And it didn't quite work. Um, but yeah, the vi- like watching the video of this, it's Deline Bass who went on to not have the best life. I don't know how she's doing now, but yeah, I think she had uh, substance problems and all the kind of news stories of her post this was just like the sun being like former uh, pop star and just, I won't go into details because it's upsetting. But yeah, the videos like Paul K-, K just like hanging out on the beach in like an army jacket and like looking frazzled and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is what I want to remember. Um, but the song itself is great. I think the melody is really strong. No matter what the re- like you strip off the um, sample and it still works, and it is that very specific like a beat the Balearic wistful post club nostalgia thing, which actually I kind of have a lot of time for, despite like never really. I've never been to a beat the. Have you, have you guys? No, it never really appealed to me. The super club thing didn't either, but. I kind of sometimes get pangs of nostalgia for that thing that I've never done. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure there's people moving into the 40s everywhere who are like, for them, all of these tracks are like the big classic hits. Um, this is obviously latter period, but yeah, really liked the song. It was one of the first ones that came to mind and that's my number four. Uh, Paul Newman's most recent appearance in something that he's listed for anyway in his filmography is actually something from this year in which it's a documentary okay. about <laughs> documentary. him. So a documentary called The Last Movie Star is created and directed by Ethan Hawke. Oh, I'd be on board with that. HBO Max. After discovering transcripts of interviews conducted to Paul Newman's request for an abandoned memoir project, a daughter of the Newmans asked Hawke to tell their story personally 
and as inspired artists. Hawk assembled actors to read pieces of the interviews. Uh, so that's interesting. But the last thing that he would have appeared on in terms of a feature film was Cars 3. That doesn't count, mate. Using his voice in an archive recording because he did a voice in Cars, apparently. Oh, that doesn't count. So I guess he died in... Yeah, he died in 2008. So yeah, Road to Perdition is not his last film. He did other stuff as well. What did he do? <laughs> Empire Falls, something. He, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it was his last major role. I guess it, maybe was he? Maybe he was Oscar nominated. Possibly. I keep meaning it just turned twenty. I keep meaning to rewatch it. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I think it is a really good movie. No, it is good. Um, uh, let's have my number four. Yeah, let's do it. Balearic Craig, I give you the Aeroplane remix of Paris by Friendly Fires. Fires, yeah. I've definitely picked the original of this before in a top five. I may have picked this remix before. I can't quite recall. You picked the original. I do remember. I know I picked the original recently enough. Um, Maybe better than the original, and I like the original quite a bit. Aeroplane is a Belgian DJ uh, who I once saw play uh, in a club when I was on that weird uh, trip at the hot press. Remember when I got sent to Austria? Mm. Is this when you lock, locked yourself in a darkened bathroom? I locked myself in a darkened bathroom in my hotel room, but this was, this may have been the same night. I remember, so I went on this trip to Snowbombing Festival, um, and this was a classic case of being in hot press. Selena Murphy was supposed to go. She was sick. You were supposed to go. We were going to Malawi. <laughs> I was sent. I was like, well, I guess we'll send Dave. And like, I was calling to the office, and it was like, you know, now you got to behave yourself. You're representing the hot press, blah, 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 blah. And of course, the trip was sponsored by a vodka company. And of course, it was also like me as the only journalist. There was like four lads from some kind of Gonzaga-esque college who actually oh. were nice guys, but they were clearly like very privileged young men. And then there was like a bunch of like club owners and stuff. And then the two reps, one of whom was straight-laced, one of whom was out to get fucked every night. Uh, I didn't have a great time. I felt awkward and weird. But one night I kind of let loose and I went to see Aeroplane DJ in this tiny fucking like nightclub bar thing. And I got just, I got fucked, I got really fucked up. And I was like, at one stage, I don't remember a single thing about Aeroplane playing, but I do remember um, almost getting into a fight with a bunch of raucous UK lads Mm. who were really up for beating the shit out of me. And I managed to defuse it, I think, but like it was a touch and go for a second. Britain, Britain! (laughs) (laughs) Then I uh, remember going to the bar um, I I know it's like there was broken glass in my on my in my in my Converse runner, and I remember like I was so far gone at this point that I I, I, I instead of pulling out the glass, I went to like got my hand and I wiped it off. Yeah, yeah, so I cut my hand open. The next thing you know, I'm at the bar you and, and up, a you? bar lady is bandaging up my bloodied hand, and I'm really badly hitting on her. That uh, happened to me once as well, where I sat on a, a bottle bin beside a dance floor and the whole thing fell over, over onto <laughs> the dance floor and I was in the middle of all the glass. And I walked up to the staff and I was just like, oh, my hand's cut. And they're like sorting me out. And security like, the dance floor? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think when I when I went back to the hotel room, I, got, I, I, I couldn't get out of the bathroom. It was pitch black and I was so hammered and I had the, one of the worst hangers of my life the next day. But that's nothing to do with this song, is it? Um, Aeroplane, yeah, so I love this remix. It's great. I don't want to say about it apart from I really like it. And also, so, you know, an example of, you know, Ambient Chillax being a little bit busy and it kind of, you know, stepping up its game and getting a bit kind of like, here we fucking go. I've 
I've just always loved this. Um, it's about eight minutes long. Uh, I stumbled upon it years ago when I was just downloading stuff off the hype machine. I, I think that's where I found it. I, I used to use the hype machine. I don't know if it's still around. I presume it is. For anyone who doesn't know, it's like a music aggregator and really good for remixes. I yeah. think over time I've become less interested in remixes. Sorry to say that out loud in front of a producer. Um, but... Um, I don't know. I, they don't excite me that much, but the ones that do, do. And I remember just finding this, and it may have been through that, or it may have been through like the Sound Opinions message board or some kind of pitchfork list or something. It was around the time that I got really excited about trawling for music and, you know, like really finding, you know, like changing my palette, really, yeah. essentially. It's when blogs were most at the yes, forefront of hugely, like, music yeah. discovery. Yeah. And like that was how the needle drop started and that kind of stuff. And I was just enamored by this immediately. I do find it mesmerizing to use that word again. I think it's great. I think it's a great example of taking a song and doing something quite original with it. And it just has that kind of reward system, that kind of patient payoff. Uh-huh. And again, I can throw it on and I can tune in or I can throw it on and I can tune out. And I think that's what this list should be about. And also me getting way too fucked up at an Austrian music festival that I probably shouldn't have been at. What you got next? <laughs> Can I just say, I absolutely love every time you use the term ambient chillax dead seriously, like it's some establishing like hip hop. Like, do you know what I mean? You're <laughs> that's, just like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're establishing it. Um, I don't know if this is ambient chillax. It makes me feel chilled out. It makes me feel damn good. So let's just do it. It's one of the only properly joyous, pure positive songs I have as well So in my life. Wow. the summer of 1976 <laughs> George Benson with Breezin um, I-N apostrophe of course of course very important um, and this is one of those songs which was you, we were talking about you know early morning listens um, I've taken to sticking this on quite a bit in the last year or so early in the morning it will put you in a good mood I was about to say that's probably the, uh, that, that would be the reason right yeah you'll bounce around the place it's great uh, George Benson um a very, very good guitarist who, uh, if like a jazz guitarist who, if you go on like jazz forums and like reddits and stuff, people will talk about how he, he was a bit of a sellout because he got into kind of smooth jazz. Really great singer as well. Uh, this is a pure instrumental. It was actually Bobby Womack who wrote the original. Uh, put it out big, a few years Big Bobby Womack vibe. Yeah. Huge. This was a huge kind of hit. And I think the album went like triple platinum as well. Um same title and it like 1976 so you've got the whole punk thing kicking off very hard back then uh, reference points this week yeah there's some great clips of like him doing this on like the old grey whistle test just such a vibe but yeah I love his kind of touch and feel as a guitarist Um, there's some just beautiful little passages in this and like uh, just the kind of fluttering horns it's such a good hook even though it's very kind of similar notes. It's just like a staccato thing that works really well. And it's um, it's pure joy. And he seems like a good dude. Like he's the kind of, I, th- I think he's been married to his childhood sweetheart since, it's still around, uh, thank God, since like the early 60s. And um, I believe he's a Jehovah's Witness, so he probably doesn't think we're in the 
what is it, 140,000 people that are going to ascend with Jesus in the spaceship or something like that? Can't we say could I, always convert. Can't say I've kept track on that one. <laughs> but this is some light jazz um, that I occasionally indulge in um, along with my more serious... Like, I could have gone Miles Davis invent, inventing a strand of ambient music um, with, like in a silent place, but I didn't. Um, I went with this, and that's my number three. That's fair. I think my number three now is like a superior version of the track I had last and it's very <laughs> beautifully 90s. Oh. It's been in a bunch of stuff and actually... Fuck life! <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not quite in my, like, I have to play this when I'm on a plane and the plane hits the clouds otherwise the plane will crash. Uh, ritual paranoia thing I have. I play the Streets of Rage 2 intro theme for that. Recall. And I also play Safe Passage by 65 Days of Static. But this would be perfect for that moment or a plane landing safely, you know, as the sun rises, etc. Uh, play it, Adam, please. That is Orbital and the track Halcyon and On and On, uh, which I fucking love. love. that title. It's great, isn't it? Apparently, uh, I don't know how, I assume this is true, uh, a song written and performed by them dedicated to one of their mothers, uh, or sorry, like, are they brothers? They are brothers, aren't they? I'm going to, uh, I, I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong. But essentially, um, it's, yeah. They are, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the mother was apparently addicted to a tranquilizer called Halcyon for many years or something. I mean, like, like which I'm just like, am I now learning? Um, but it's a it's typical orbital magnificence thing. Uh, yeah. There's like different versions of this. The one that I'm most familiar with is like almost 10 minutes long and it has appeared in some like it's, it's appeared in a bunch of pop culture stuff, but like it's appeared in some genuinely weird films. Like, so um, it's in Hackers, right? Which is a film <laughs> I absolutely have a, a gigantic soft spot for. Uh, one of the, maybe the most 90s film. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, this is a film from 1995 about hackers. And they're all like cool weirdos. And it's like Johnny Lee Miller, Angelina, uh, Angelina Jolie before she broke out as a megastar. Um, Matthew Lillard's in this movie. Lorraine Bracco, Fisher Stevens. Uh Everyone looks like they're in uh, an ad for the future itself. Uh, it's very PlayStation 1 era kind of stuff going on. It's a very silly film about these teen hackers taking on government officials and some big evil man. But, like, the soundtrack is fucking unbelievable. And this is, like, the first one in it. And it plays... Actually, I think it plays when someone is on a plane. And maybe that's where I took that kind of imagery from. Right. Uh, but there's also, like, The Prodigy around that soundtrack, loads more. It's a, an incredible soundtrack. It's a beautifully kitschy film. I've spent the last week or so trying to convince one of my coworkers to watch it. She's having none of it. And in the process, I've convinced myself to watch it again soon, which I will do. The song is also in Mortal Kombat, the, like the fucking video game adaptation movie. I think I saw that once as a child, mm-hmm. and I'm like, was it? Good and it's probably the best video game movie, which doesn't really say a lot. It's a three star at best. Um, But it plays at the end when they've saved the day. Spoilers for Mortal Kombat from 1995. It also plays at the end of Mean Girls for like for like five seconds. Okay, for five seconds. Yeah, it's weird. It lends itself to some strange pop culture moments, but um, I think it's magnificent. I love the sound of it. I love just how fucking 
oh, it just it, it 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 plays a trick on me or something every time I hear it. Like, and it has that kind of you know just like it's so soothing, it's so inviting, and even the kick in isn't too excessive. Like, it's just this lovely little kind of lifts here and there. Mm. Gets more rhythmic as it goes along. Uh, if you've never heard it before, once again, it is Halcyon and On and On by Orbital. Uh, a top tier imperious track and I think it is in fact you know the more I think of it Craig ambient chill acts can mean many different things <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's, a, it's an all timer it's a classic I love it yeah it's great um, that, sorry that was sounding weirdly to say yeah it's great no it's yeah, fine, it's no, fine. it is great <laughs> it's um, you hate it I know this, I know. this next nah, big big orbital guy um, didn't realise they were brothers but big orbital guy they, they've done some are great are they brothers stuff. yeah they are okay, Phil right. and Paul um Phil and Ball, <laughs> like extenders, Iron Man, <laughs> um, Phil and Grant. Um, I mean, they're, my, probably, they're probably like one of the best bands ever, but I've just never really gotten into them as much as I feel I like I've caught them have. live at festivals, like ran, randomly two or three times, and it's yeah. been verging on like those moments of I'm, I wasn't expecting to watch this, but it's kind of transcendent. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. Um, speaking of transcendent, I picked this song because the artist, it's an artist I could go on and on about. How's um, he on and on and on about? Yeah, very much so. Um, but I was like, oh, is this going to be a very Craig pick? But then last week in studio when we were listening to Frank and like we had Nikes on and like my eyes were rolling into the back of my head. I was like, I want to hear this in the studio with the last oh, nice. <laughs> clip. So let's just indulge Craig. Why not? <laughs> for his money at this stage maybe who is it Craig Jay Paul <laughs> that really did send, prolific to David Bowie that did sound unbelievable you let out a I sure <laughs> did I closed good. my eyes so Jay Paul what's the track um, All Night um, from his <laughs> debut album mm. or you know post drop released unfinished demos this has in brackets of course after it All Night unfinished sounds pretty finished to me although you know the Jay Paul aesthetic uh, is very much sometimes you're like is the mixing actually finished but it all holds together beautifully and it sounds tremendous and yeah this is definite poolside listening it's so bloody evocative I feel like all of his music is a little bit oh yeah Adam Adam's got some fourth appearance on a top five for Jay Paul according to Adam I know I've picked I picked Jasmine for um, songs with names in them I actually genuinely thought it might have been his first or second I, I think it's more that we reference him continually yeah as opposed to just putting him in a top people five people that don't know about Jay Paul who, London you, producer who has um, <laughs> probably had what four official releases most of those just songs that were kind of is what he said were demos yeah. hasn't released anything in f- four years now he came back yes with we were, um, no, a pair we, of songs we were at Cullum's wedding three years we ago we were yeah and um, new music dropped and he put out the, the album that had leaked the unfinished one and he kind of put out a statement that had been really tough on him and he disappeared again um, he was on Atlanta he was, this yeah. year uh, just in a really kind of short cameo 
a cameo where I'm like, how many people were like, this is, he was playing himself, I guess. But like, would people have known? I got very excited. I think I tweeted it out and it was just like, <laughs> there was Two no likes. response. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my God. Greg's talking about Jay Paul again. Uh, oh yeah. What was I, what was I kind of saying? Yeah, his music is so widescreen to me. I love the unexpected moments of silence. Um, those huge washes of sound. It's just untold joy. It's kind of like music for, you know, the National Geographic channel as well. It just is so like, I think landscapes, I'm kind of moving with it. And um, I, I found the, 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 he didn't clear a load of samples when he kind of put out the the debut officially. Um, but I dug up the original, which opens with a Lara Croft sample, oh, yeah. which completely, I think, makes this ambient shellax. If the whale sounds at the end of that clip didn't quite work. So yeah, Adam, if you can play that bit, I just love it. It's so cheesy and cool. song there but yeah there's Lara um, she's missed Ghana and I miss Jay Paul Dave. we all do we all do is he ever gonna no, I don't know it's fine though uh, <laughs> I remember so when that album leaked first back in 2013 yeah I remember um, being in Hot Press that day or being around or something and I was going to review it for State magazine. Mm. And I was very much like having this like moral dilemma of like, is this a fair thing to do? It's leaked. It's not, you know, who knows? Well, we didn't even know but if it was, it was a leaked initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It uh, seemed like he'd put it out because he was having some label dispute yeah, or something. And, it, and then it kind of, it, it, it disappeared or something again. So I was like, I don't know. I think the decision was kind of made for me not to do it. But I also, I got, I remember getting so excited about the prospect of writing a review of that record. Mm. And I really wish I got to even just write the words, but I never did. So, you know. What could have been? He's taken so much from us, Craig. <laughs> but he's given so much, too. That's true. Number, and on to your number two. Yeah, number two. I mean, like, when it comes to the the genre of ambient chillax, you have to go back to the pioneers, <laughs> um, the people who really started it. And I think, you know, I couldn't have this top five without having uh, this crowd on here. Even the fucking name. Here we go. <laughs> Keep that in. <laughs> Craig appeared to have a religious reaction there to Tangerine Dream, and the track is Love on a Real Train. Love on a Real Train. Love on a Risky Rail Business. Train. Risky Business, yeah. It was written for Risky Buckaroo. Business. Yes. Tom Cruise's Risky Business. Uh, they did the soundtrack. German act, Tangerine Dream, around since 1967. Uh, the amount of people who've come and gone from this act, by the way, like the past oh, members. Really? It's I like know a, nothing about them outside like of a, the music, yeah. Well, one of the family members passed away, uh, uh, I think, almost 10 years ago at this point, but they're still active, still going. But like, if you look at the past members section of this band, it's like a fucking football squad, you know. But I'm... Um, so influential in the dream pop sphere and in yeah. this kind of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ambient music. Started as a great rock band, I believe, and just kind of pivoted into this. To date, right, if you include everything, like, you know, 
studio albums, compilations, unique sampler albums. It says here soundtracks, live albums, singles, EPs. If you if you if you if you weigh it all up, they've over they've released over three hundred like official pieces of music in their time, including like working as recently as like on the Grand Theft Auto Five soundtrack. Yeah. Um, also worked on Thief, uh, James Caan, Michael Mann's Thief. They did the score for that. It's incredible. I uh, worked with Michael Mann on some other stuff as well. Like, like it's it's kind of an endless thing. And yeah, They're dark. Like, I love the soundtrack to that as well. It's so good. Fucking fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, um, but Love on a Rail Train, which um, has different versions. And the first one I heard was like, this is like a long re-recorded one um, in the 2010s. And it's different from... The first version of her, which is about like four minutes, where it does kind of, it at one stage it really kind of lifts and kicks off and has this kind of like thing. It's a bit more kind of synthetic, yeah, and a bit kind of more like I don't know, like I mean, not surface level, but like it kind of you know gets to the point quicker or something. But this one is a lot longer, and it doesn't like it does move, it does change, but it's all the more hypnotic. And it's incredible. It is incredible. Like Craig's reaction when I put this on the studio was that he threw his head back, he groaned contentedly, <laughs> and at one stage like shouted, "My God!" Because it is, and it's just like yeah. I was like, "Yeah, like I fucking I adore Love on a Real Train." I listen to this a lot, and sometimes on real trains. I don't have that reaction every time I put it on, though. <laughs> <laughs> Can I sit somewhere else? <laughs> but no, it's uh, yeah, no, it's perfect, isn't it? Like I mean, like yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, I could imagine Absolute you masterpiece. I could imagine you running to this, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great, and and, like, and honestly, like you know, it, it genuinely, like, you know, not to be repetitive, but like you know, of my own self, but like it does take me somewhere else. It does transport me to a different place. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I imagine I'm on a train. Perfect train music, train at night. You know, imagine yourself in like the the neon lit re- reflections of Tokyo. It would be it would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Yeah, I had to hold myself back from just going full synthwave with this top mm-hmm. five. So um, I'm glad you included that. It's so so good. And yeah. on to my number one. To set the scene for this one, you've just discovered Barbie's boyfriend, Ken, and his crack addiction and his penchant for prostitutes. Okay. Again, I've talked about them before. Broken social scene. It's shampoo suicide taken from you. Forgotten people, which I picked as um, in my top five sophomore records. I think we did that one. I had I had a clip of this, and I think I went with Stars and Sons or something like that. But yeah, this is um, just the, the prior reference was to Half Nelson and Ryan Gosling. Film I love, 2006. Great, great stuff. Um, a very I think it's probably a grim watch for a lot of people, but it's kind of associated with a lot of happy memories for me. Yeah. And so like, it always cheers me up. And anytime it's on, it's it's got a great mood and atmosphere. And it has that, it reminds me of summer. Yeah, because I've like recommended it to people before and like, this is relentlessly grim. I liked like, it. You, you pushed it on me before and I and I liked it. I didn't adore it, but I actually want yeah. to, I, I want to revisit it. It's all about Gosling's performance. Same I think. with like Lars and it's the Real It's a very Girl, slight script. Which is like another film yeah. that's quite heavy, but yeah. he's amazing in it. Um, 
Yeah, like it, that was Lars and Real Girl was probably a, a year or two later. 2007? It was kind of, yeah, he was at a crossroads then of like, where is he going to go with his. I wish he kind of still did more of that kind of stuff. I think he he's does. always interesting and good, but. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think yeah, he's great. Yeah, I think he's tremendous. I'm a huge fan of this. Um, it's just. Ah, those kind of searching, seeking guitars are brilliant. There's so many layers. It feels like a city. It feels like a city in the heat down an alleyway and uh, an environment. And it's just the instruments going. It's, it takes on a life the of its fucking, own. The hi-hats. Oh, Beautiful. Everything. And we just cut it before those kind of angelic vocals come in. It's kind of... It's a very sad song, but it's like it's there's. Sorry, con- give me the name of it again. There, shampoo suicide, which I don't know what By that. Robert Social Scene. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that reference alludes to, and there's not much about it online. But like a lot of this ambient chillax stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of my favorite pieces of music. It feels like something I would be happy listening to in my kind of final moments. But I know it'll be rhythm divine by Enrique Iglesias. I mean, what a way to my go. Piece with that, yeah. Um, wow, um, divine chillax. So. <laughs> Great That's choice, number one for me. Um, similar-ish vibe in that, like, it's definitely not upbeat, um, and it's used in the context. Uh, it is a score. This is this is score work as well. Uh, it's used. It comes from a TV show, um, and one of the best moments in that TV show is run. It was unbelievable, but it's super fucking grim. Um, when I thought about this top five, and I thought about ambient chillax, I thought about. You know, that thing that we've all probably heard of, like, here's a Justin Bieber song slowed down 800 times. Yeah. Which I love. It's amazing. And that can be a cool thing. And I remember, like, friend of the show, Kabina, did that with, like, Mogwai's Auto Rock at my request. And it's incredible. Uh, the soundtrack to the film Dread has that in it as well, the slowdown stuff. And it's cool. I think that was by Jeff Barrow. Um, this is not by Jeff Barrow. This is by someone else, and it is amazing. And this is taking a very famous piece of classical music and fucking around with it in that sense. So here we go. So, that is, uh, it has a terrible title. I wish it didn't. Uh, it's called Bloodfest. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me like it more. <laughs> I will explain. Uh, it's by a composer called Brian Retzel, um, and it's from Hannibal, the TV series Hannibal. Ah. And what it is, is it takes Bach's, uh, I guess interpreted by Glenn Gould, the Goldberg variations, that is uh, a signature motif for Hannibal. Uh, it's in Let's Sons of the Lambs. Uh, his love for Bach is mentioned in the books. And in the TV show Hannibal, starring Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy, which ran for three seasons, three great seasons, uh, this was essentially Brian Retzel, who was the show composer and did phenomenal work. Um, sometimes sometimes like almost too abstract, but it was that kind of a show, but like a great composer, really original stuff. Uh, the season two finale, which has a really big emotional climax, uh, this plays over a hugely emotional sequence, um, wonderfully shot, totally jaw-dropping stuff. If you're with the show, you're just, it's it's the, probably the high point of the fucking show. It's unbelievable. Right. And he takes the Goldberg variations and slows it down by like X amount. And then I guess does his own kind of spin on it. It's a long track and it's amazing. It's just like that. I, I, every now and then I, 
will find myself walking around listening to the Justin Bieber thing or one of those other ones where it's just like this is amazing and like maybe it's a gimmick maybe it's a trick maybe it's a thing that you know you shouldn't do quote unquote I don't know it's not as prevalent as I thought it might be like you don't see it too often yeah but maybe it's cheating in a way I don't know but it's it's it's, it works it works it's an art form yeah. you know disruption maybe possibly and I love it uh, Brian Rettel uh, some background on him he's worked with Sofia Coppola a bunch on like the version Suicide Lost in Translation right. Marie Antoinette and the Bling Ring um, he was we, we've no air on this I list I was about to say yeah <laughs> I had I had clips caught but I think I said like, Kelly watched the stars before for something but like this guy uh, this guy uh, Brian Rettel uh, he's played on uh, a couple of their records um, right. and he toured with them as a drummer I think on the Moon Safari tour so you know he's got the goods Craig um, but his work on Hannibal is phenomenal and again when I thought of this and I thought of the the top five I was like I thought about slow down stuff and just kind of moving in that direction so it's like, I'm not a big classical music guy I just don't have the education I, I, I just don't I've never really gravitated okay, towards so just to come, you were talking about the classical German composer Bach not Sebastian Bach of Skid Row just for the listener no I saw him at Sebastian Bach okay. <laughs> wow his solo careers <laughs> no I was not yes yes the German composer Bach um, who uh, may he rest in peace um, but um, I assume he's long dead uh, I don't listen to Lyric FM I don't know what that guy I don't know the classics I don't know. I like new metal. We all know this. But like when stuff like this comes along, it's just genuinely dreamlike and incredible. Mm. Uh, Also, please watch Hannibal. It's great. It's on Amazon, I think. Uh, So it's fantastic. Go watch it. I Uh, had to cancel Amazon because they got rid of the X-Files. Hang on, you canceled the subscription. Yes, I did. Very proud of you. principle. Because I was only there for the X-Files. He's growing. I don't know if it had Hannibal. Yeah, you've recommended Hannibal to me before. I I went. Oh, numerous times. I've stopped doing so. And I wasn't sure about it. No, it's a very tough show in yeah, lots yeah. of ways I've, I've no doubt it's absolute sensation very abstract yeah. storytelling and it can be frustrating from it from from a from a narrative point of view and it is more than more than a bit ridiculous uh but it's incredible it's unbelievable and stuff like this you know really kind of elevates it like like they're on like a fucking like silly american network it was like how are you getting away with this but um yeah it's amazing and um i don't know about you man but i feel i feel quite chillaxed after that. You, yeah yeah i feel quite ambient to be mm-hmm <laughs> I just fucking realized uh, we did like the Slipknot lead in, but I want. I, I, I was oh, do you want to talk about Slipknot? No, 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 no. But I was going to say like like the 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 show intro should have been like you know what is this podcast? Is it a hell of pain or is oh. it? Yeah, I fucked it up. Uh, Slipknot. No, we can talk about Slipknot again because I pres- I assume we'll be reviewing the album. Um, if we, what, what week is it? Is it uh, September the thirtieth? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. as long as it's not like the week of Beyonce's. Because uh, if you, if you recall, week after next, oh, I believe. God, do we have to do that? 16 it's, it's an event. fucking tracks it's an event you know it people might expect it I don't yeah. know we haven't reviewed like I was thinking about this um we haven't like stopped reviewing albums, but I guess we kind of have. Well, it kind of there was a natural slowdown in terms of releases for the summer, but yeah. also we were busy, and also there was it's a lot of time. And like I think I think it's a case of only doing them when we really want to do them. Mm. And I don't think the show is suffering for it. Let us know, but I don't think we somehow managed to make all the episodes pretty much the same. It's ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how we've done this. I mean, like like the, sometimes you'll have an episode where it's like here's an interview, here's an album review, here's a top five, here's a new section, and it's like and it's ninety same, minutes. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, well two of those things are gone surely nope hour 46 <laughs> but you know what it's all quality it's Listen, all quality folks you know the listener you know, knows it is quality and it sounds good too oh, and I tell you it's all down to one man that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for uh, one of the more chillax people we know very much so Adam Shanahan Sonic Architect who's taking holidays pretty soon 
three weeks in Greece, I believe. Yes. Island hopping. That's where you'll find them, Greece. You can track them down. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> going on the road. Did you know something different about him today, did you? I noticed it straight away. What should I have noticed? All right. You get his hair done? Yes, his hair is half the length. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I didn't realise it was I've that long. I've never seen his hair that short. He looks I'll amazing. Give us a spin in the chair there. He, he, he looks great. This is good audio. Actually, that's it? a really nice cut. This yeah, is why the you show do look, is, you look. He always looks fabulous. Stuff, it's, 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 not, it's not really fair. Yeah. Like Jeez. he's too handsome. <laughs> uh, anyway, look. Uh, you know, let's not do the thing where we just ramble for five minutes. Okay. The show okay. is over, um, and we'll be back soon. Though, who knows Next what will week? happen? We'll <laughs> <laughs> be back in the studio. Uh, hopefully, yeah, because because unfortunately we'll have to take a break for a while from being in the studio, but we will of course continue the show as best we can. In the meantime, uh, patreon.com slash noancore if you love this show and want to help out. Uh, if you just like the show and want to tell a friend, tell a friend. Yeah. Honestly, seriously. Uh, I'd, I'd like to think that the Frank episode reached some new listeners, but stay with us if it did. I don't check the numbers because uh, I just don't really like to mess with my head that way. I feel like ambient chillax is going to reach a whole I think it's going to put us over the top. Yeah. Did you know that I turned down going on FM104 to do this podcast today. You made you made mention of being on R- Room 104. Room 104, which, which I didn't realize was a thing, made uh, me nostalgic for the AK phone show. The AK phone show. Back in the day. Um, they asked me to come on and talk about sex education in schools, which I was like, really? And I was like, oh yeah, I wrote an article this week about you know how they're not doing pornography on the junior cert. They ain't doing porn. No, oh, there was like a, a story that was like that the kids are going to be looking at pornography in schools, and I was like, what? And I looked into it, and I was like, that's not actually true. So I wrote an article, and I just said my headline was. No, pornography is not about to become a subject on the show, on the show, on, on, on the on, on the on the curriculum. And I guess out of nowhere, I got an email being like, "Can you come on and talk about that?" And I was like, "I can't. I'm otherwise engaged." Plus, I was like, "Really." Is this you could get someone more qualified? <laughs> like, like I think you could get like someone from the world of education maybe to discuss this thing. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll get on there yet. Yeah, I was looking on at so when you mentioned it earlier. I was looking at their Twitter and just one of their like running orders or whatever. Uh-huh. And it seems like a really eclectic thing. So like here is, they don't tweet too often. So this is from May. Um, but they were saying... Very much not tweeting too often. On that, the- yeah, fine May <laughs> evening. Tonight on Room 101. Strange pronunciations of your own name. Okay. Was a topic. We'll hear from Abby Travel to find out the best places to visit that won't break the bank. Helpful. Excellent, yeah. But then finally, if there was a zombie apocalypse tomorrow, how would you plan your escape? It's <laughs> <Yeah. is> great. <laughs> that's good. That, that's probably better yeah, than I like people. That. I like pe- that vibe. People screaming at each other like like on the F- uh, Adrian Kennedy phone show that I used to listen ah, to years and years great ago. as well. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fun time, as was this. My name is Dave Hanred. Hey, this has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Hey, his name is Craig Fitzpatrick. Ready. All right, we're done. Patrick, for Fitzpatrick. Oh my god. <laughs> Wheeling away in celebration into the stands. Oh, it's There'll, be no it's ambient, <laughs> There'll be no ambient chillax this evening. Um, the see the fucking rugby last week? We won. Team of us. Yeah. And it was like the t shirt. great pride. I felt like all Did of the you? country's problems just That's dissolved what, it, away. There was a tweet from T shirt Michael Martin saying a lift for the entire nation. <laughs> um, and I should have. I was annoyed. I did. Someone uh, texted this to me, but I should have tweeted it myself. It was um, there won't be a tenant evicted tonight in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, okay, that's it. Bye. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.